Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 30th episode of VisionCon Live, your go-to nerdy talk show. I'm your host, Zach Wilson, but you didn't come here to see me today. You came to see the woman of the hour. She's Lizzie from Gears 5, Katie from Gone Home, female player character from Anthem, just to name a few. From indies to AAA titles, she can and has done it all. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome the one, the only, Sarah L. Mallet. Sarah, how are you doing today? Uh, hello. Oh my god. Did I nail the last did I nail the last name or did I push it? It was close. I think it was basically acceptable. El Male. Basically acceptable. I'll take it. Like Tamale. Tamale. Oh, dang it. Yeah. I should have known that. I'm from California, so you'd think I'd know how to pronounce that. Yeah, that's but the usual key. Now, before we get started, guys, I do need to do one bit of housekeeping because ladies and gentlemen, we finally made it. Because we have our own sponsor. Because, ladies and gentlemen, this week's episode of VisionCon Live is brought to you by the Help Network. The Help Network offers talented freelancers, professionals, and small businesses get in contact with the content creators they're looking for. They also provide classes and webinars covering a variety of fields in the entertainment industry suited for both novices and professionals working to enhance their craft. From actors to film editors to even motion capture stages, the Help Network is here to help you get connected. Visit them online at www.helpnet.com, and that's spelled H-A-L-P-Net.com, to see how you can improve your life with their help. Woo! <laughs> Always wanted to do an ad read. <laughs> yeah, Thank you guys yeah. <laughs> so much at the Help Network for sponsoring this video. And Sarah, I just wanted to kick us off with one quick thing. Now. Okay. You're all like, like I said in the intro, you know, from indies to triple A's, you know, there's nothing you can really, really can't do in mm -hmm. a bunch of projects that we're actually going to touch on. But I first wanted to ask you, is it, how did we get here? Now, from the beginning, did you always want to be, you know, just kind of such a talented actress and voice actress, or did something happen along the way that kind of got you there? I, I think I have always been striving for, I, I guess, talent. I just really didn't try to want to think to myself, gee, I better be kind of stinky. <laughs> um, I, yes, I mean, I loved games from when I was very little, like I, my earliest memories, I remember the Nintendo at my cousin's, um, and fighting over the console, learning how to negotiate family relationships to share the console. Um, we were, we weren't allowed to have consoles when I was growing up, so we had to rent them. Okay. Um, which meant just the most atrocious binge behavior, just like over the weekend <laughs> playing it until our hands fell off, sure. which was horrifying to my parents, I'm sure. Um, and then more PC games from middle school through high school, picking up again with consoles after. But um, I, yeah, so there was a parallel track of like discovering acting and um, messing around with different categories of acting and doing a, a little bit of drama school um, and, and learning that way, um, as well as traditional voice, like other kinds of voiceover. So I was exploring commercial voiceover and other things like that. Um, but the parallel track of that was always loving games and, it, and having different sort of escalating revelations about people doing this for a living and doing it as a job and imagining what that would be like and kind of thinking that it sounded really fun and chill and like challenging and cool. Um, yeah, so eventually I just joined those two paths and I was like, oh, hello, I guess my, hello. <laughs> these dots connect. Um, and uh, going from there. So yes and no, but also kind of yes. Well, it was yeah. definitely a match made in heaven for you, especially growing up surrounded by video games. Mm -hmm. But was the entry to this field, you know, kind of easy to permeate into? Or were there definitely entry barriers that you had to overcome in order to get to where you are today? I mean, there are normal entry barriers that are 
that I sort of struggle to give advice about because they can be really daunting just in acting in general um, and voiceover in general. Um, I found it interesting getting into games specifically because I really came through indies, um, which is sort of unusual. It's possibly more common now than when I started out and I'm <laughs> old, but um, the when I did it, it was, I, w I went to games conferences, um, like the Game Developers Conference, and I started at PAX, actually, because I didn't know where else to go, but eventually discovered other events where developers were hanging out. And I didn't see a lot of other actors there. Um, and I think that's sort of a culture barrier where, like, there's a casting pipeline, especially for bigger games, that's really separate from the game development community and the kind of conversation and meetups that happen there. But I just put myself there. I was like, hello, I like games. <laughs> put me in them. Sure. And then, like, for many indie devs that didn't happen to know about the other pipeline that happens, the traditional way of doing things, I was the only indie voice actor or, like, the only voice actor they knew. So <laughs> that, was, uh, that, was, that was lucky for me. Um, so that was the way that I did it was just to kind of, I was just interested in games anyway and, and love and curious about the people who made them. And so I put myself in these places where I knew I would meet those folks and get to know them and, and maybe kind of show up on their radar for acting stuff. Um, that was my way in. And I think it still works. I think if you go to PAX, you know, these days, um, the reality is that indie devs are showing their own games on the show floor. Like you can play someone's game and then turn and talk to the person that made it. And like, not only just have a really interesting conversation, um, but you can sort of make connections that way. So um, you can kind of still probably do it that way, I guess, um, I would think. Well, but the, when it comes to um, to AAA, it's a whole different ballgame. Exactly. And that's the very special thing about indie games is that you definitely get more of that one-on-one -on -one feel, yeah. which perfectly segues my way to my first question. Which help. Game, I have a few characters that you've done over the years that I do want to touch on and the fans definitely want to hear about. The first one being Katie from Gone Home. Now, let me uh, kind of preface this by the fact that, ladies and gentlemen, Gone Home is by mm -hmm. far my favorite indie game of all time. And my, person, oh, my own personal experience with it is the fact that inherently I do know that I, as a cis, hetero, white man, have, and excuse me, get on my soapbox, I have innate advantages in this world, you know, compared to other people. And I freely acknowledge that. However, while playing Gone Home, and experiencing, you know, how it's like to be, you know, on the other end of the spectrum. And uh, to, uh, for those of you who don't know what Gone Home is about, it is essentially, without too many spoilers, about a woman who comes home, you know, named Kate, mm -hmm. um, you know, to find out, you know, kind of what's happened ever since she was gone. And her sister turns out to have came out as lesbian to her parents and, you know, doesn't exactly go as well as one would hope. And, you know, through playing all of this, I, I, I mean, I got tearful because, you know, you don't know how lucky you have it, especially mm -hmm. when you're someone like me who has essentially all the advantages in the world, very supportive parents, and just, you know, seeing all of this stuff. So I would just like to ask you, kind of, how was it playing the lead in this game? And how do you th see the impact that it has had on, you know, both the LGBTQA community, uh, plus community, as well as allies like myself? Um, I think, and, and first of all, not to take any thunder or speak for Sarah Grayson, who, who voices Sam um, and does a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful job. Um, it was funny because I did, I did actually uh, meet Steve Gaynor in that way that I was just describing where I, we were at GDC and we were at a barbecue, I think the weekend just after. And he 
approached me as an actor and he was like, Hey, you're an actor. Like, would you like to collaborate on this game I'm doing? I'm, I'm leaving, you know, 2k and I'm, I'm going to do something else next. And I was like, of course. Oh my God. So I did wind up helping, um, with scratch VO, which if you don't know is, is temporary voiceover. It's not going to be in the final product. Um, so they could mainly, so they could, um, figure out the layout and sort of carefully make sure like place the audio logs so they wouldn't overlap with each other and just kind of like tune the pacing, excuse me, of the story. Um, so I was exposed to Sam's whole journey um, in that process and it was so powerful. I think what's interesting, what's the reason that, that, that's, that um, character and those, and those stories, those anecdotes and those confessions kind of resonate so broadly, even though it is this kind of specific and perhaps underrepresented right um, identity or experience, um, is that I remember there's this wonderful audio log where she is having i think she's having her hair shampooed or she's no she's dying lonnie's hair mm. and um and then she or like or and then after that first of all the intimacy of that oh my god but then yeah. when she she like when when they finally when she realizes in, in their interaction that like this is real and they're attracted to each other there's this sense of like of just an insecurity and disbelief um, like, how could this person be interested in me? Like, I'm interested in them. How is it possible they're interested in me? And that just hit, like, I mean, I was immediately shoved back to being 15 and having that same overwhelming, just sort of self-doubting, excited, exhilarated, you know, unbelieving um, feeling. And so I think there's just so much universality in what she goes through, even though her story is specific and has some shades to it and dimensions to it and, and certainly consequences to it um, that are unique. So... So my experience of recording that game had a lot to do with getting to know Sam. And then it was funny because doing, um, doing Katie, it was like one take. It was like, they're like, we're, we're going to actually have you do this. And I was like, cool. And I did one take of the, of the voicemail and they're like, great, that's it. And I was like, okay, <laughs> sweet. My God. Okay. Um, so, so when I do meet people who um, are fans, I think the most I've had that experience was at GamerX. Um, was uh, seeing people, um, and sometimes after panels, people will come up to me and say, you know, this game really spoke to me or it, it came to me when I needed it or I, it's my favorite thing or something, you know, whatever it is, I'm, I am, I'm touched, I'm awed, I'm grateful to have been a part of this, small part of this incredible thing. And, and, I, and I connect to it so personally myself that I feel connected to the other person because I, you know, we both kind of share this deep link with this project. So it's, it's I feel blessed, I feel very lucky. It's a very special game, and guys, I very much implore you guys to check it out. It's called Gone Home. It's on all consoles, including PC. You know, mm -hmm. you know, a lot cheaper than you know it probably needs to be because it's a phenomenal <laughs> game, and I do highly recommend you guys check it out. The next game I did want to talk about, though, on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, especially uh -huh. as far as production is concerned, mm -hmm. is I want to talk about you as Lizzie from Gears Five. Yay! Know? Sure. <laughs> As we all know, one of the most anticipated Xbox exclusives ever, really. Mm. And you play one of the new central characters. So I just kind of want to ask kind of how your experience was both as Lizzie, but also, you know, you've done a lot of indie work throughout the years. Kind of what are the differences that you find kind of between indie games versus AAA titles? Differences in how we make them or what they consist of or both? I, I I'd say probably uh, both in making them and if there's any unique challenges in like the production quality or not quality, but the production of process. process. Um, well, I'll start with that and then we can get into Lizzie because there's so much that I, I just love her. very. I love her so much. She's one of the closest to me 
uh, like as far as my sense of humor that I've ever gotten to play. So she's, she holds a very special place in my heart. But um, yeah, so indies, I mean, the content just tends to be very different. And I, you know, the, and the characters that I get to play tend to be different. I, I've kind of settled, since moving to LA, I've, I've kind of settled into getting more cast for kind of tougher chicks, not unlike Lizzie herself, um, as, a, as maybe a signature. Um, and with indies, I'm almost always stretching myself and getting to do something different. You know, I mean, if it's a uh, pyre and I'm being sultry and tough at the same, you know, twins, or if I'm doing Rose from Where the Water Tastes Like Wine, who's like kind of a gentle aging hippie, who's also a little dissolute, like it's just kind of covers the gamut. And that, that's really nourishing to me. It's why I stay doing it. Cause I get to kind of stretch and, and the games themselves are so unique and, and special. Um, with the, with the way that they're done, I mean, I think indies are increasingly having a voice director which is wonderful um and so that process especially if the voice director comes from AAA, is looking more similar um i have found without a voice director i found that i take more charge in those sessions and kind of um know how they are how they run sometimes you'll have a dev who um doesn't know how much a voice that's like their first time using voiceover or something and so they look to you the more experienced you are the more you can kind of help them run the session and and offer um you know, the more confident I get as an actor, I'll offer more takes when I think I can add, do another take that would add something to the, to the, to the mix. Um, so there's a little bit more of that sense of like, help me figure this out. <laughs> yeah. uh, and at which I'm more than happy to do and which has become now a business side, like a side business for me. So sure. um, yeah. And then in AAA, it's, it's, uh, you, you, there's more, I find that there's more violence. So you're doing more violent move sets and things like that. Efforts are, there's some, indies have efforts too, but like there's tends to be a lot more conversation in them. Um, and then for, for AAA, it's like for something like gears, it's, you know, we did, we had one or two sessions maybe with pickups for the single player campaign and like cutscenes and whatever. And then just many sessions for the multiplayer where it's like, it's just 20 versions of this punch, that kill chainsaw, you know? And so that is like two in a row, two takes in a row. Um, at various levels of projection and intensity for four hours or whatever. And so that's like a very particular kind of comfort with decontextualized dialogue. Cause you're just like, what's happening. And you're like, you're getting shot at it. Deal with it. <laughs> you know? um, and, and just, and, and athleticism as far as like stamina and, and kind of taking care of your voice and committing to the reads. And um, that's, it's a, that's, that's a real, a true technical challenge that's unique to, to video games. And I think more, tends to apply more to AAA. Um, I was very lucky moving to LA that I took a class at PCB, which I recommend um, if people are uh, in, in Los Angeles and interested in that, that did a really good job transitioning from indie games into like, how do, what does a AAA session feel like? What do they mean by creating, you know, differentiating levels of intensity? Like what's the kind of, how do, how do you tackle this kind of copy? It was like a really nice prep um, because I knew I wanted to do AAA, but I didn't know how they worked yet. So that was um, super helpful. Well, you brought up a good point that I do kind of want to explore a little more on. Like, it must be taxing having to do, you know, those four-hour sessions with all those grunts and, you know, the yelling. And, you know, I mean, when you have a chainsaw mounted to your gun slashing an enemy, I mean, you know, the sounds you make while doing that got to be murder on the throat. So what kind of steps do you take to kind of either prepare your throat for those kind of sessions and then definitely towards the end kind of recovering after that such taxing ordeal? It's a great question. And I think I'm glad that you asked it because I think the concept of vocal stress or, um, you know, just the, the effect on your voice of these sessions is um, something that actors are trying to promote more awareness of and so that we can run our sessions more responsibly, both as directors being sensitive. Excuse me, I should, I should not be drinking seltzer. <laughs> I should drink flat <laughs> water. <gasps> Excuse me. Um, 
both for directors being sensitive to it and actors advocating for themselves when they're you know paying attention to how their throat's doing and it's kind of a negotiation that way or a conversation that way um so what i do is aside from getting enough sleep because you need to be rested i just i think you need to be so rested you can't be underslept if you're underslept your processing time with the dialogue seeing it and then acting it is slowed down and you're less likely to recruit all of your muscles to support yourself because if you're tired you're probably going to start acting from here up which is where you start to get damage so like this is silly but like i like to think of energy coming through your butt out the top of your head when you do these efforts it's sure. just got to it's got to stay open and everything has to kind of support um and when you start to catch or or block that energy is when you start to hold tension and holding tension is where you get damage um so being rested being in shape is good jennifer hale yelled at me about this she was like she, I've known her for a while and she, she's been extremely kind and, and helpful to me over the years. And she asked me early on, like what my exercise routine was. And I was like, I play video games. <laughs> and she was like, that's not going to work. <laughs> and so, so I've, um, I got like a, a, I got zombies run on my phone. And so I like started a running routine. Yeah. And it makes a difference. You need to know what it feels like. Cause it is athletic a, and you also just need to know for yourself what, what being athletic and doing this stuff feels like in your body so you can use it, um, in your work. Um, so staying in shape. It's all conditioning. Um, it's very little that you can do. There's some things you can do right before the session that are really great. I use straw phonation, which means I get a little coffee straw. Oh. And I like, yeah. And I buzz it almost like a kazoo um, in the car. Um, I have like a, a karaoke playlist that I use on my phone. And so I'll do a mix of singing really uh, like exaggerated in my face to warm up my face. I try to have songs from both men and women. So I'm warming up both the top and bottom of my voice and I'm buzzing this straw um, in, in, you know, along with the melody because uh, something about the cre like the breath control you need to kind of push air through the straw to make it vibrate and the, the effect of the vibrations from the straw back on your throat really help warm the system up. And what you do, um, what you're doing when you do that is to create more resonance with less push on your voice because when you're pushing things again tension is the enemy so when you're pushing stuff and straining stuff and holding stuff that's bad so the straw really helps kind of get max resonance in your voice for the for the least amount of effort um so that's what i do drink i drink tons of water i drink so much water in the, the sessions for for honor as a as the raider like and really you should hydrate the day before is the way to avoid injury. But during the session, I would just pound water that I would like nearly pee myself on the way back from Burbank. <laughs> Cause like, I was like sessions were at Burbank. I was living on the other side of town. And like in that hour, it was always really risky. I was like, am I going to make it? <laughs> um, so yeah, staying hydrated really helps too. And then the same right afterward, it's rest. It's just vocal rest. It's, you can't, there, there's, I, I'll drink cough syrup as, and it's really more of kind of a placebo effect, but, um, when you do that damage, it's like bruising your shin. And if you keep talking, because what happens is your, your, your folds close to make the noise, right? And so if you slam them, you bruise them. But to talk even is continuing to use them. So it would be like kicking your shin against the doorframe every time after you've done this job. So the more you can just rest and let it be, the, the faster it'll recover. So I try to like not talk and just chill if it's been a really you know, exhausting session. Sure. So. That's the full answer to your question. <laughs> well, to be fair, if Jennifer Hale told me to work out more, I mean, I'd be running three right? hours a day. So yeah. yeah. And I remember it, the moment, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying, if it makes you feel better, I also, it's kind of hard to tell because it's in a Naruto cup, but I also have LaCroix in here. So you're not the only one. Drinking yeah, something. exactly. <laughs> lemon, lemon LaCroix. Hey. Uh, not a sponsor, but they could be. Maybe they should oh, be. Oh man, God, do I wish. Um, one yeah. day. I, remember, I remember the moment playing Mass Effect 3 uh, and playing as Femshep. 
um, and her hearing her sprinting noises. And I, this was before I was really working out. And I was like, that's what a fit person sounds like when they run. <laughs> and then being like, I need to find out more about this. I need to know this for myself. <laughs> they breathe, you breathe differently. You're not just like, <gasps> you know. <laughs> well, so. you're not wrong. But I did want to, speaking of fitness, you know, a lot of people, especially now, have experienced many games that have a lot higher production value than back then. And some of that includes motion capture, where kind of voice acting and kind of in-person physical acting kind of blend together. So I did want to ask you kind of what are your experiences with motion capture? And do you have any funny stories or anecdotes to tell about that? And uh, maybe as a last topic, kind of, you know, what is unique about motion capture compared to, you know, just kind of normal voice acting? Gosh, I mean, well, I did um, about two years of performance capture, just sort of shooting very intermittently, like a, you know, a few days every other month or something um, for Anthem um, as the freelancer, uh, which was very lucky. I was, I was very blessed and grateful to be the, the act because there's a male voice as well, Ray Chase, who's, who's wonderful. Um, but I was the one on the performance capture stage. So I was there doing performance capture and he would dub over it later for that version. Um, so I felt very, I was overjoyed to kind of, to be able to participate in that side of the process um, because I love, the main difference for me is access to your other actors. You know I mean? I don't know if folks know this, but you know, most game voice sessions are solo. You're not, you don't have, you don't get to act with your scene partners. And I miss that. As someone who loves this field and loves my job, like I thrive on listening, like listening and responding and reacting, you know, spontaneously to your fellow actors is part of a great joy of the job and one I very rarely get to enjoy. Um, so performance capture is beautiful for that. I think if there's something I would point out about it, it's that yes, the production value has gone up over the years and technology has improved and you get better you know, more subtle, more detailed data from your actor's performances than ever, which is wonderful. But I think the biggest impact that performance capture and motion capture has um, on, the, on the ultimate product is that access that your actors have to each other. Um, that makes, you're getting different choices, you're getting a different performance. It's like, it's like looking into a multiverse. Like I make a choice, you have a counter choice, and together we run off in a direction that would be totally different if we weren't in the same room. Um, so that to me is just sort of a magical, um, you know, part of, part of getting to do games when you get a chance to do it. Um, and just very different than acting by yourself in a booth. Um, it's really fun. I'm trying to think of a fun story. I mean, there's something particular to the way that, uh, to my character in Anthem, because I was most of the, of the, um, with some exceptions, the, the cutscenes were in first person. So, um, so I had my camera rigged where most people's camera is facing this way to like, and they have face markers to, to capture their face movements. Mine was actually being used for reference out. So my camera was turned the other way. Wow. Um, yeah, which is really cool. And it was like, I was, you know, you know I was very cognizant of that in my performance. I was doing voiceover that was very, um, that felt like it was close and in your head. There's a slightly different way to go about doing that. And I was thinking about that a lot. I was thinking about, cause you just kind of see my hands, my hands. I was like, this is what you're going to see of my body here. Um, and yeah, and then I was there for the animation team to kind of use it as reference point for, for what the, what the player will see in that cutscene with all my, my buddies and my scene partners around. But, um, when we would go for pee breaks, um, that, that comes into play because my camera's facing this way. And if I go into a bathroom, like they would have to catch me basically as someone and they did catch me like at the last second one time. <laughs> Because if I go into a bathroom and there's a mirror across and you've got a camera and IP, that's like not <laughs> so good. 
So someone's got to be on like cam watch, like block it off, you know, turn it around, like, uh, you know, derig. So you can't forget that on you uh, if that's what you're doing. Um, But it was great. It was so, I would love to, you know, I look forward to getting back on the performance capture stage at some point because that was the last time since doing theater that I had like a true cast feeling with my castmates recording over that amount of time. And I owe one of my castmates, you know, a call. I I love him. Um, And it's a, it's a really special, it's a special feeling getting to do that stuff so as a player i love i love what what um what it's been adding to games like you know what naughty dog has done with performance capture and and just actor collaboration in general um over the years so that's exciting it's exciting stuff yeah well i'm personally excited to see what comes next after you know the craziness of the world kind of dies back to that but guys i just wanted to point something out since we're about halfway through right now uh, plenty of guys have already either messaged directly or uh, done it in the live chat. You guys still have plenty of time to do so because we're still about halfway done. Yeah. But uh, once you do, we'll be able to do viewers' comments and questions toward the end. But the next thing I want to talk about, Sarah, is uh, IndieCade. Now, I'm a huge mm-hmm. fan of indies. A lot of hey. people watching, huge fan of indies. So I want to know all about IndieCade. So IndieCade is, um, is a festival, I mean, physically, it's usually a festival in a couple different places, Los Angeles in the fall. Um, it also, there's an IndieCade Europe in, in France, um, and there's an IndieCade East in New York City. Um, IndieCade is really, it's been called sort of the Sundance of indie games, which is really kind of a way to explain it to people who don't play games, right? Um, but it is, to my mind, like my favorite or one of the only festivals that I know that really combines um, digital games, video games, as well as LARPs and immersive theater and board games. And it's just a wonderful collection of all kinds of interactive design in a way that I think is so stimulating and exciting. And, and you see things that are just absolutely silly. I mean, there's a, there's a game in there this year that's called the Everyone Has One Butt Game. <laughs> you know, there's that. And then on the other end, there's a game called Brukel, which is about... Um, it's sort of a, it's almost like if you took Gone Home, like a first person home exploration game, and you get these audio logs from this developer's actual grandmother um, who, you know, experienced Nazis kind of visiting her home in, in, I guess, maybe the Netherlands, I think. I could be super wrong about that. Poland? I don't know. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so you have like a mix of just really serious games and, and dramatic games and documentary games and really lighthearted, silly, goofy things. Many times I've seen devices. It was the first time I saw um, VR that was embodied. And I remember it was the jank. It was Nani De La Pena's um, game about uh, witnessing some police abuse. Um, but you, you, like, you had this backpack and like uh, there were cameras. It was just the most DIY VR setup that now we, everyone has in their living room. Yeah. Um, so you just often see genres and themes or games themselves that um, will kind of take off later at IndieCade first. Um, and it's just a wonderful community experience for the devs who participate, getting to know each other and creating, for me included, creating lasting relationships that lead to collaboration and, um, and, uh, and community over time. Um, so I love IndieCade. I've been, I've been working with them since 2014 when I was the game developer relation, game maker relations. Um, and then since 2016, I've been the director and co-host of the awards. And it's just, it's such a, as someone who does AAA now, it's like every year getting to see these games, the, the creativity and the resourcefulness, um, 
is, and the inspiration is just like, it fills me up for the rest of the year. Cause it's just, it's so important to me is to stay connected to what folks are that are really, you know, at the experimental edges of the forum are doing. So I love Indicade. So it's this year from, and now this year it's online. Indicade anywhere and everywhere. So from the 16th to the 23rd, you can catch streaming of the games, all kinds of programming talks. Um, the awards are on the 23rd at uh, 12 p.m. PST. Um, and yeah, it's sort of more accessible um, than ever. So check it out. Well, that link as well as many others associated with Sarah are going to be in the live chat. Yeah. Thanks to Marissa Pence, the wind beneath my sails. Love you <laughs> always, Marissa. She's also in the chat making sure you guys Hi. behave. So keep on behaving and you know, talk amongst yourselves. And like I said, make sure you get those good questions and comments for when we get to the- Yes, please, I look forward to them. <laughs> well, the last thing I wanted to talk to you about before we get into kind of some more tips of the trade okay. is you actually, as recently as just this week, mm. are in a AAA title, kind of, you know, of a franchise that, you know, maybe some people may know, uh, called mm. Star Wars Squadrons. Yay! Let's talk about it. I, I want to know yeah. everything about, you know, I knew the game was coming out, but I didn't uh -huh. hear too much about it until recently. So for me and the folks watching at home, tell yeah. us all about Star Wars Squadrons. Well, I haven't, I haven't gotten in there and played yet. Um, my brother and I are sharing, we're like still wrapping up. He's, you know, in deep in Avengers. I'm still in Ghost of Tsushima, so like we're trying to, you know, and I'm waiting for my VR headset to arrive. Um, and I feel like that's when I'm really going to, I won't be able to resist. I'm, I'm going to dive in and I cannot wait. Um, but it's, uh, you know, as far as the experience of doing it, I mean, like, so I can't, right, I'm, I'm excited to play it and learn more about it and then I can say more about it. But I, it is an homage to and or kind of a revitalization of the X-Wing versus TIE Fighter, you know, series, um, which I played a little bit of as a kid. Um, I wasn't as much of a flight sim person, but I was a huge Star Wars fan. I mean, you can see, like, I'm a huge Star yeah. Wars fan. Um, huge Star Wars fan. Um, so, I mean, my gosh, what a thrill. And my, my, um, my character, it was just, again, you know, game voiceover can go by really quickly. Like, this was one session. <laughs> so I'm the voice of your Imperial pilot. Um, you play, you're going to make, you know, make a choice. You have, you choose between, you're going to play both an Imperial and a New Republic pilot. So I'm one of your options for your Imperial pilot voice. And we really went for um, kind of a Tamara Morrison homage, um, just sort of like Clint Eastwood in space. Yeah, like just kind of that like Mandalorian. Yeah, um, very, very, very fun. And like, and I was, you know, I was being directed by someone who directed him. And like uh, Dara O'Farrell, again, um, was my voice director, who's like worked with the Star Wars IP as a director, as a voice director, and kind of a caretaker for decades. Like, and voice directed, you know, my, a game that meant, so much to me as a kid, uh, The Curse of Monkey Island, one of yeah. like those early, yeah, those early games that had voiceover to begin with and just knocked it out of the park. LucasArts had quality voiceover going back to the beginning and that game changed me forever. Um, so, so being directed by Dara was like, <laughs> was like really exciting. Um, yeah, so it's, it's immersive as heck. I hear it's, it can be kind of challenging, but um, I'm, I'm excited to see the response. It seems like it's been really positive so far. I, um, you know, I know some of the, the writers, for, you know, going back a, a bit and, and I'm really happy and proud for them. And um, I can't wait to get in there and, and have some nasty dog fights. Um, so yeah, that's, that's why I'm, I'm blessed. And, and every other, like, you know, voice of every other pilot is like as a, a friend and someone I admire greatly. So like, you can't go wrong, <laughs> really. Um, <laughs> It's kind of, it's an exciting crew to be a part of. So I'm thrilled. Yeah, I'm just, I'm thrilled. <laughs> Curse of Monkey Island, Secret of Monkey Island, Grim Fandango. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. 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 Now, Squadrons. Now, is that available just for like Oculus and PC, or will uh, PlayStation? Yeah. Oh, yes. That's the headset that I have coming. Yeah. So I'm gonna play it on PlayStation. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's. I think. I know for sure it's PlayStation and PC. I'm not. I'm assuming Xbox, but I'm actually not sure about that for some reason. Um, And I probably won't go full joystick. Although who knows? We'll see. I hear they're actually kind of hard to find right now. Those HOTUS. Um, So I'll be. I'll be using a PSVR helmet and my controller. All right. Well, last few questions I want to talk about before we go in the plug zone. Then, of course, viewers' comments and questions, everyone. Yes. A lot of people who watch this show obviously are here for, you know, the big celebrities we have, like yours truly. (laughs) However, a lot of other people I've noticed have watched this show because they are either interested in getting into acting, voice acting, or already are and just kind of want to know where to go next. So for a seasoned veteran such as yourself, the first question I wanted to ask you in this vein is how do you deal with rejection? Now, obviously, <laughs> rejection is a huge part of life in general, but I would say if an industry, if any industry where rejection is most prevalent, I would say your industry is definitely one of them. So how do you deal with rejection? Does it get any easier? Or if it doesn't, how do you personally deal with it so it doesn't bog you down at the end of the day? It's a really, it's an excellent question. It's no matter what it is you're, you're creating, <laughs> good job you. Um, you're doing some sort of mental, emotional gymnastics to cope with it. And there are frameworks that you can think of, of it as that are helpful to you. So, I mean, for me, um, it, part of it is just developing a thick skin and getting used to sending things out and not hearing anything back, you know, I think. And then all of it gets easier the more you do it. Um, you know, so if I'm sending out four auditions a day and, you know, all week, like I'm, I forget about them. That's the best thing you can do is just forget. <laughs> You're like, you know, some, people, when I tell people, oh, I got to go audition or they're like, and then they see them again and they're like, how was that audition? And I'm like, which, I don't, I don't know. And I do. Um, that being said, so that's how I basically deal with it day to day is I like have fun with it. The other, the other thing that's true. And I've heard Emma Stone say this as well. And I'm glad I feel, I feel corroborated. I feel very affirmed <laughs> by this. I feel like it's been co-signed by a very talented person. So, um, is that the audition is your moment to have the job for, for, you know, again, thinking in the multiverse, in this multiverse, this is your job now. Mm-hmm. And so you, you go in there for five minutes and for those five minutes, this is, that's it. You, you own the space. It's your, it's your interpretation of the character is what's happening. And so you, you stay in a playful mindset where every opportunity you get to experience these characters is a, a joyful one and a curious one. Um, and then you leave it behind. And then you've done your job. That's your job is 99% auditioning. So you just rinse and repeat that experience um, and you walk away and you forget about it. Now I will say like when nothing comes back after hundreds of auditions, it can start to wear on you and you can start to think, is anyone even listening or, you know, all that other stuff. And and you just have to, um, I think the key is that is recentering, reconnecting with the practice. You were lucky to audition that's joyful. You are, you know, it can be joyful to explore these characters. That's fun. If you lose that sense of play and that sense of excitement about just getting to do that much, then you will wear out if you're just waiting to kind of be affirmed or get the, you know, get a session. Um, But it's hard. It's not easy. It takes a lot of time. You, you will have to re up on, on how you get through it over time. Um, but you just remember it's not personal. It's not that you're bad necessarily. It's that someone else is a fit. And when you're in this, you know, Jennifer Hill often says this too, like every one of us could do all these jobs. It's just what flavor bubblegum they like, dude, like, or whatever <laughs> ice cream, like we, we could do it fine. It's just what resonates and what fits and what they're looking for. Um, so, you know, 
really have to take it personally um, or needn't take it personally. Um, it's just, you know, what do you have to offer and is that what they're in the market for? Um, so yeah, those are some of the ways that I think about it to get by, mm-hmm. I suppose. But it's so tricky. It's so hard it, for everybody. Yeah, yeah. It's not you, it's them. You sure. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't know if that's, there you go. I shouldn't, I shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, in that same vein, you know, people watching the show either or wanted to get into voice acting and acting or RDR and just need to know kind of what to do next. What sort of advice would you give them to kind of take the next step? Should they immediately get an agent and get the best software and equipment there is out there? Or should that be a gradual step? And just any other tidbits of advice that you wish you had starting out? Starting out. Um, I think that when it comes to jumping into different categories of like, um, competitive, for lack of a better word, competitiveness, like it, then gradual can be good, not too gradual, but like get your experience, you know, center yourself. If you're still having, you know, massive nerves during auditions or you're tight in the way that you're claustrophobic around the microphone, like you don't want to like get in front of, you know, your dream agent and, and put yourself out there at that moment in your evolution. So take the time to explore and learn mic technique. Take the time to take acting seriously as this whole separate general skill. Like you've got to, you know, have access to your life experience and your emotions and make interesting choices and, and you know, commit to them fully. There's a, a lot that goes into that that's just acting related, um, not voiceover specific. And then there's plenty of stuff that's voiceover specific. So do work your craft and learn as much as you can. Um, you're going to need to invest in materials that show you put a, a good foot forward because first impressions do count um, with agents and, and cast and directors alike. Um, so get a demo, get a good demo. Um, I would say if you're just starting out, get a decent, like a Blue Yeti or something. I mean, get a decent setup um, going and then start to invest more later. Um, get, do a, as, you know, do non-union jobs until you feel like you're ready to kind of, you know, and it's hard, it can be a hard thing to control when you join the union, but, um, you know, get, get your experience in. Don't be in a rush to, to join the union until you've had a good deal of experience. And then do so um, if you want, you know, certain kinds of jobs and to kind of, um, I mean, I'm very pro-union, so I'm, that's, that's me. Um, but, I, but that doesn't mean that I encourage everyone to just join right away because there's a lot to learn and a lot to, to get comfortable with. Um, and right, and then get that experience under your belt before you go to, to the big agents that you want to have or get an agent that, you know, start with a local agent to yourself if you're not in Los Angeles and build your way up. Um, but do take the time to understand the space, um, to understand acting, to develop yourself as an actor and, and what you are compelled to do, what you have to offer. Um, because the more you understand what you have to offer, the more confident you'll be in those auditions and confidence counts for quite a lot. Um, if you're in there in a place of need, that, that'll, nothing tanks your audition faster than being in there needing something instead of offering something. Mm-hmm. Um, so you wanna take the time to, to develop that. Um, yeah. That's just, that's some stuff that comes to mind. <laughs> so does that answer your question? I hope. With leagues and bounds. Okay, cool. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, like I said, this is your last chance to type any viewers, comments, or questions, both in the live chat or VisionCon directly, because ladies and gentlemen, we're in the plug zone. Sarah Dollar, now is your chance to promote, advertise, yeah. plug, whatever verb you want to use, anything you want. The floor is yours. Ah, oh my God, I should, I, I should be prepared for this. I'm the worst at this. Or just heads up, I'm so bad at this. Um, 
Okay, well, play Star Wars Squadrons. Like, what are you doing? Get in there, get, jump in that cockpit, help out your buddies, take down both sides, I guess, um, and enjoy yourself. I can't wait to do that. That's exciting to me personally. Um, what else? What else? What else? What else has just come out? I don't remember. Well, there's also a television show. If you're in the mood for a little light Brazilian crime drama, <laughs> just to pivot off of games for a second, uh, there is a new show on Netflix called Good Morning Veronica. And uh, you can't miss me in it for I am she, Veronica. Um, and yeah, so just watch if you were interested in the English dub, that's your gal. Um, what else, what else, what else? Uh, nerds vote, nerds vote. I mean, nerds do that, they vote. Um, yeah. Nerds vote is also an organization. Um, this is, I mean, I feel like this is just a human plug, not a career plug, but like, if you aren't registered to vote, if you don't have a vote plan, um, go to nerdsvote.com org.com google it google nerds vote um and and just and get yourself prepared get ready this year more you know this election more than ever we need to be um on that on top of that as soon as you are able to vote please do um and and courtney taylor and jp carliac and mary elizabeth mcglynn um have an organization to help you figure all of that out and that's nerds vote um what else what else what else i'm running out of ideas indicate Check out Indicate if you weren't here, if you're joining us late for some reason, um, <laughs> go to Indicate, um, watch all of their stuff. You are gonna get exposed to just kinds of games that you didn't know existed, kinds of stories that games can tell that you would never thought of. Um, it's just beautiful and it's full of smart, creative, vulnerable people and I, I just love it. And so it's Indicate season, go watch Indicate, um, buy the games, um, hang out and chat. Um, yeah. What else? That's the big thing I'm gearing up for. Is if, if they awards. just want more of you, where, where could they find Oh my God. Um, if after you're done with like an entire season of TV <laughs> as Veronica, <laughs> you need more <laughs> for some reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I hang out on Twitter. I retweet a lot of game dev stuff. Um, as well as other anything else that I that tickles my fancy. Um, it's not a very serious page, but it is a very sincere page. Um, yeah, I will share all kinds of gamey things and acty things and other sorts of stuff like that. It's where I post news for sure. My website, um, sarahelmale.com, surprise, surprise, um, has is also will stay up to date with uh, all, not just game stuff. Game, certainly when games are released, I'll try to get clips on there as soon as I can manage. Um, and it covers some of the other stuff I do. Um, speaking, speaking events, I, you know, labor advocacy. I, I worked really hard on the low budget, on the indie contract for, with the Actors Union, SAG-AFTRA. Um, and I have resources there for developers and folks who want to learn about it, how to use it. Um, I have started doing consulting, um, which means I help indie developers from everything from understanding the contract and getting signed with the union to how to cast actors, how to work with actors, anything to do with the voiceover process, I'm kind of available. Uh, I offer free resources for information and then I also provide a service to kind of help you hands-on um, with anything you might need or want to understand because I believe indies are glorious and they deserve the best actors possible and to understand how to work with them. So the website, sure. Also Red Lantern is coming out at some point. Red yeah. Lantern's going to be a thing. I cast and voice directed that, and that was a tr huge joy. That's um, that'll be out. I don't think we have an, an exact release date yet, but it's going to be soon. Um, and that's a a young woman uh, goes out to Alaska and she like leaves behind her career, her career, her learning, just everything to go race sled dogs in Alaska. So you're on a dog sled, you've got your puppers, you're out in the beautiful, very chilly wilderness, and it you're you're voiced by Ashley Birch. So what could be better? You're just hanging out, talking to your pups. 
Oh my God, the dream. Wonderful. Um, so I'm really excited for that to hit. I think that's, that's something that we all need in our lives right now. Um, so yeah, I think that does me for pluggery. All right. Well, it's interesting that you bring up Nerds Vote because definitely we at VisionCon definitely recommend you guys get registered to vote, get, make your voice heard, and it won't be the last time you hear about Nerds Vote because we will also have both Courtney Taylor and Sissy Jones on future Yay! episodes of VisionCon Live. We'll get a lot more information for that. But until now, all of those links are both going to be in the live chat. Thank you, Marissa Pence. And if you watch this later on YouTube, going to be down in the description box below. And with that, Ladies and gentlemen, we're on viewers' comments and questions. Hello. So like I always do, I'm going to kind of do it 50-50, some in the live chat and in some in the messenger. We'll try to get through all of them. So let me well, bring that up. I'm so right. excited. I'm just so flattered that people would want to ask me anything. See, like, you know, That's people fun. people can listen to me drawing on and on about my shenanigans, <laughs> but what, when they get their questions, those are the real questions. I'm stoked. Let me at them. All right, so Allison wrote in and wanted to know what were some of your favorite games growing up? Mm. Well, I've already talked about a couple, right? So um, Curse of Monkey Island, the, those LucasArts adventure games was like, I grew up playing a lot of Nintendo, Super Nintendo, um, a lot of Sega Genesis actually was a, was a big when we were right before the adventure game era kind of heyday. Um, but yeah, middle school, uh, that was like when I really when games were being made that made me laugh, made me think, made me just like that I connected with on a, on a different level, on a newer, deeper level. Um, so yeah, that sort of three year run of like full throttle, Curse of Monkey Island, Grim Fandango was pretty life-changing. Um, realizing that Mark Hamill was the bad guy in full throttle like blew my mind again, because Star Wars fan, um, the fact that Luke Skywalker was this like deep, bassy, silky bad guy blew my mind. Um, and, to, and showed me what voiceover was about, was getting to voice things you look nothing like and don't sound like in your day-to-day. -day, and that was exciting, um, life-changing. And then uh, Curse of Monkey Island changed my sense of humor forever. Like this goofy, weird, esoteric, like nerdy, silly uh, shtick that I seem to not be able to get out of. Uh, that was from Curse of Monkey Island for sure. Um, and Grim Fandango, just that, just vibe. Like, oh my God, has any game had better vibe? Like that, just that m brilliant mishmash of, of remix of influences um, was fantastic. And again, with fantastic performances. And by the way, great female performances in that game. You know I mean? It's, it feels like the sort of overall narrative of games is that roles and characters and characterization for women has gotten better over time, which is true. But you look back to some of those LucasArts games and like they were powerful, sassy, funny, smart, you know, women in those games. Um, so they've been there, they've done been there. Um, yeah, from there, from then on, I think, I feel like I really started to, um, like Bioware made a huge difference in my life, um, you know, from KOTOR on basically. Um, I, I loved those games. They offered me, you know, Jade Empire gave me an opportunity to explore my sexuality, um, in a way that I hadn't in life yet, as far as like dating women as well as men. Um, and, uh, and just the quality of the performances and the writing and, and the connection that I felt with those characters has stayed with me for the decades since. Um, obviously I mentioned Mass Effect played a huge role in my life and Uncharted. Um, I mean, that's now I'm getting to be a grown up. So, so I don't know about growing up. I think I'm, I'm leaving the zone of growing up at that point. Uh, but I will just say that Naughty Dog Games further put me on the path of caring about, of, of realizing the potential in games performance and how collaborative and, and exciting it could be. And so that really deepened my commitment to the space. So outer edge of growing up, but that's, that's, I'll, I'll shove it in there. I said, we're, we're all growing up still. <laughs> right, right. I'm still a child. Who yeah, are you we never doing? stop. But, uh, okay. 
So Marissa actually wrote in, wants to know, she checked you out your website, and you have quite the portfolio. What's oh, the wow. biggest difference doing a commercial or ad for companies like Amazon or Ford versus voice <laughs> acting on a video? Oh, my God. Uh, well, there's a different, um, there's different stamina. I feel like there's always, there's, with voiceover and with other categories, there's just a different way that you apply your focus and a different kind of stamina you have to keep. So with games, it's that athletic stamina of um, making sure your body is working with you, you know, as you plow through lots and lots of lines over the course of, um, you know, four hours. With commercials, the stamina is in doing the same 30 second or one minute long copy over and over for about an hour. So with that one, it's like keeping it fresh, keeping it new, keeping it alive, offering different versions of it. Um, that takes a different kind of focus and like and consistency um, to stay in that space with the same copy, um, yeah, for an entire session. So I would say that's probably the biggest difference. Okay. Well, let's look into the live chat real quick. A lot of people are saying hi. Hello. They also love Gone Home, which good. You guys have great taste. <laughs> um, uh, a couple of people are saying uh, that Clifford is a chaotic good character. Dig. Yeah. 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 Which if you guys don't know what we're talking about, you know, next time tune into the pre-show. <laughs> all, right, all right. All right. And then Zachary, not me, uh, wanted to know, he said, oddball question. Would you consider Carmine and Lizzie to be mm. Gear's answer to South Park's Kenny McCormick? Uh, I think a lot of people think that. There's definitely a reference to it. I mean, there's um, there's a, a line, a dialogue line uh, reference to Kenny um, that I kind of say about myself when I respawn, <laughs> like in multiplayer <laughs> matches, where I'm like, oh my God, they killed Carmine. <laughs> um, so yes, in that sense, Sure, yes. <laughs> Certainly in multiplayer matches, dying takes on this a parallel, you know, shape to, to Kenny getting getting off. And the Carmines, yes, having to die. It is their fate to they, they live but for to die. So so yes, they are they are certainly kindred in that way too. That's fair. Well, Katie tuned in and actually wanted to know and this one I like this one is uh, I love your hair. What product do you use? My, this like this I'm thing gonna, this I'm, whole thing I'm, I'm assuming she means the color okay yeah um well i you know my um i've been staying inside a lot uh obviously as is the mandate basically i've been i've done very little outdoor distancing but i did go to my hairstylist who had like doubled up masks and um and so she took good care of me um because my hair was getting really unruly. I, like, I dyed it, she dyed it, she, she, she was right, bless her heart. She was like, you could be a blonde. And I was like, you lying, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> liar, yeah. fiend. Um, but she was correct, uh, I thought. So she dyed it like platinum right before this all went down. And so I was just having this sloppy growing out mess of a skunk <laughs> thing on my head for months. And so in, within the last like month or two, uh, I went to her and we're like, we need a new plan for the rest of this time that we're in. Um, so yeah, so product, uh, I mean, I have an Eau de Bay paste that goes in there. Um, the color is, certain, is custom by Miguel, who's just a wizard uh, with color and cut alike. Um, and we figured we would go for kind of like a Tinkerbell from Hook vibe. So that's what we're, that's what we're doing now. Thank you. That's nice of you to say. Well, last question before we sign off. Uh, Nick wanted to know, do you have any funny stories doing motion capture? I mean, the funniest one, I think, is accidentally almost filming myself pee. But um, what else is sort of funny? I mean, I feel like the funny thing about doing these a long shoot over time is that like you develop a lot of dumb in jokes 
um, that don't play for anyone who's not on the set. <laughs> like, like me and the cast, like, um, you know, we'd do joking accents and it would evolve from be like, oh, we're all Russian for some reason. And we're like, oh, we're like not so hot on stuff. So 50-50 became like our, our uh, you know, our assessment of anything. It's like, how do you feel about this? Yeah, 50-50. But like we didn't, um, I don't think there's any, I'm trying to think if I almost injured, my, injured myself. Probably, you know, probably. I probably almost died a couple yeah. of times. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else that's goofy. You just get real punch drunk. You get real silly on that set after a long shoot. It's like you know, with a with a game voiceover session, it's four hours at a time. But with a performance capture, it's a full day, like a like a film shoot. Except instead of on a film shoot where you're waiting for setups, you have downtime, and the challenge is to stay in your emotional zone for when you need to actually act. It's like so much waiting for everything else around you. On a performance capture capture stage, it's a lot less of that. So you are acting pretty straight through that. You know, the only reset is the actors. Like <laughs> reset the actors, go again. Um, so you get very silly. Um, so yeah, I'm sure there's tons and tons of goofy in jokes and, oh, I remember <laughs> there, I'm trying to think of what, what did I, um, I can't remember the word I actually said. I remember what it sounded like to everyone <laughs> got very offended, but now I can't remember what I actually said, which was totally fine. Let's just, suffice it to say there's a black castmate in, in this in this cast who I love and she's phenomenal. And I said something as a joke that really read as a slur and for like 30 solid seconds, the entire stage thought I was a huge racist. Uh, um, and yeah. so I clarified what I had actually said. Sure. Uh, and it took everyone just like a minute to kind of clear out their systems, forgive me in their mind and sure. resume acting. That was harrowing. Um, yeah, I wish I could, I should have better stories. Any, literally anyone else from that cast is probably a better storyteller than I am. <laughs> You should ask Nick Terabay to tell you stories. He's held, he'll go, he's a, what a joy. Yeah. <laughs> well, almost walking into the bathroom with that. I mean, that one's a bit <laughs> oh But ladies and gentlemen, that's about all the time we got. Now, before we wrap things up, Sarah, any final thoughts to leave us on? Oh my gosh. Besides vote, just do vote, please. Uh, what else? I don't know. I mean, thoughts about what? Gosh, Games. Any final words to leave us on? Final words, uh, keep playing games. I think hold on to, you know, I mean, not that anyone needs me to tell them to do that, but like play is, is you know, I think, I think in this time, actually, maybe this is just me, but that my work and play time has just started bleeding together because when we're all at home, um, you know, I think that um, there's just less of that sense of, of like stopping working and, and, and whatever. So please do, you know, and I've made less time to play games as a result, actually. So take that time for yourself to recharge because we're all taxed more than ever and things are still being asked of us as far as our, our day-to-day if you're if you are lucky to have work um you know and if you're not that's a whole different set of stressors um but play i think is 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 a way that we stay connected to our to our joy um it's it's how you recharge i think um take good care of yourselves and 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 play games because you deserve to relax in this in these crazy times so and maybe that's what i would say couldn't say it better myself. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 30 of VisionCon Live. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And of course, the Help Network for sponsoring this video. Yay, make, you sure you, make sure you check them out, as well as all of the links down in the description below. I'm your host, Zach Wilson. But much more importantly, this has been my special guest, Sarah El Male. But until next time, guys, always remember that life's better when you have friends to share it with. Hmm. <laughs>